fly list. No fly list. As far as the no fly list, no fly list, no fly list. If you're on that list, 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 list. The most problematic thing is, is that any, any, anyone can be under the investigation of the FBI. FBI, FBI. FBI. And I know that something really good is going to come out of all of this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another week of the No Fly List, where we talk to comedians, artists, and other interesting people of color. I'm Athir. I'm a mama. And today we had a really awesome guest. He was an architect turned musician turned comedian and somehow brilliant in all of those things. Uh, we had Mo Heron and this was recorded, uh, full disclosure, another quarantine in the midst of quarantine when he had just gone to New Zealand. Yeah. And at the time, New Zealand was doing and still is doing incredibly well. Um, but what was so interesting was that like Mo talks about how racist, like where he is and like how racist his upbringing was in New Zealand and how he like wanted to be in New York. Yeah. Can you imagine being black, Arab and Muslim (laughs) and in a place like all the way across the end of the world where nobody is. And I, I was kind of like, oh, New Zealand, that sounds fun and cool and exotic. And I, you know, because of the big terrorist attack that happened uh, a few months ago or last year oh my god now um the way they handled it was really good like the way their prime minister handled also covid you would think that they are more progressive um and you know i don't want to overgeneralize i don't really know what the situation is but i honestly had no context of what life in new zealand is like for a person of color i never even thought about it yeah i was actually like kind of shocked especially some of the things that mo like talks about like with some of his bullies, uh, and even now when he was just like, I, I'm sometimes like the only person of color in like certain areas, and I like forget, especially living in New York City, I forget what that's like to be absolutely around <laughs> only white people. I like grew up with a, r- a lot of white people, but I forget like in other countries, it's so so different. I know. I just assume everyone outside of the U.S. is way more. Uh, progressive than we are and somehow i'm like oh yeah new zealand doesn't have racism i mean even though obviously every place there are racist people but i just would have thought that they were more progressive and he was like no i hate it here i want to get out it's like it must be really bad if he wants to escape the one place on earth that there's no covid yeah to come i know to new york <laughs> I, I feel like that's like the, he's like the only person who is like let me go to the hot spot and and like just leave everything behind at least i'm accepted here yeah you know? it's also really great because we also talk about um and this is our last like quarantined Um, episode that's like coming out but we did talk about how a lot of us had so many cool things going on and then COVID happened and just like everything that we were like working for and dreaming about obviously for everyone came to a crashing halt yeah crashing halt crashing down um and like how he's handled it and he's handled it so well he's like someone who's so creative and he keeps like producing and doing things and it's like really impressive Oh, yeah. He's not waiting around for anybody to get stuff done. And I love what he was talking about with, you know, when he studied architecture, how he still applies a lot of the skills, the business skills and the thinking skills and the critical um, uh, analytical things that he had to study, how he can apply that to business in music and in comedy. Yeah, I know. It was a he's like a really overall like great dude. And I'm like so excited 
um, to see him rise up after all the stuff. All this. Yeah, I know. Everyone we talked to was like, yeah, my career was about to pop off. And then COVID happened. Well, speaking of COVID and shitty things, um, let's jump into our segment, the no fly list, no fly list. So this is a segment where we talk about people who we think should actually be on the no fly list, kind of our shit list, if you will. Uh, Mama, do you have somebody for this week? Yes, I do. Um, My person or people or group is people who are pretending to be woke or like, oh my God. like, you know, like the the very, I'll say it, like even like white feminist type of woke um, where you're just like, you're not really as... Or sometimes people build their whole like careers on it or their yes. whole, whole like persona is built around being this like woke per- or maybe there's like nothing else for them to make interesting about their personality. So they're like, <laughs> I'll just be the woke person. I'll, I'll yeah. Yeah. So I think that's like, that's definitely... Um, like I can't stand that. I feel like it's so fake. Um, and also it's just like, we're all human. I know that like we've all said and done things. We all mess up. We all do. Yeah. And also like a lot of those people are the people who will throw people like their friends under the bus. Really? Oh, quickly. totally. That's the thing. It's like, they're the least forgiving people. The ones like, because they have to kind of keep up this like hypocritical image. Yeah. Image. yeah. And I, I totally have come across people like that. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Just Plus, they don't deserve to like go fly somewhere and take pictures with like brown people because you know that they're going to do that and be like, what a great experience. It's like, no, leave my That's why alone. they're on the no fly list. They will yeah. be doing no flying. Exactly. No flying, no exploring, no eat, pray, loving. That's Yeah, no eat, pray, loving. If you are fake woke, you get none of those privileges. Yeah, but yeah. And I, I hope that Mo gets to fly back. He was really just like, <laughs> poor guy got stuck in New Zealand and is desperately trying to come back to the U.S. So I guess technically he is both literally and figuratively on the no-fly list, but not in a shitless way. We love Mo. No, and we're so excited for, um, like, I'm, I honestly cannot wait to see him, like, just, like, blow up in like the 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 entertainment industry yeah i, just, I, I mean like it's such a good episode to like go back and just be like wow he has a great work ethic these are the things that he's doing definitely and you guys should check out his music and his comedy he has such an interesting story so i hope you enjoy this episode welcome mohair <laughs> that was big energy it's it's morning where you are right it's yeah it's like um it's 10 a.m Oh my God! Well, yeah. So you're in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in New Zealand, and we just got out of uh, quarantine over here, so everyone's kind of free to leave and live life almost normally. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys eradicated the virus. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Everyone took it super seriously. Like it was like, uh, yeah, it was very like hardcore quarantine. Yeah, as soon as, soon as it hit like a hundred cases over here, they um. They went into like a national level four lockdown. Wow. What well, like were you guys allowed to go outside and like exercise or was it just like stay at home, don't do a thing? It was like yeah, stay at home. Um, only your your direct family bubble, and uh, yeah, the only thing people left to do is go to the supermarket. And even then, in the supermarkets, it was like a lot of very like like uh, insane rules it was like only one person from the family can go you're only allowed a certain amount of items like a regard like you can get like for example like you know it's just like very it was, it was very sensible but like yeah 
Like I came here in mid-March. Like as soon as stuff started going bad in New York, I was like, I'm out. That was smart. Yeah, that's what I did. Um, Mid-March, I came to Alabama. I was already planning to come here visit my parents, and then I just like came a few days earlier, and I've been here. I, I, I thought I'd be here two weeks. Did you have any idea how long you'd be staying? You know, I thought I was going to be here like six weeks. I was like, maybe, maybe it's going to be two months, and it's already like past that. And I didn't really pack for what this ended up being like. Uh, yeah, like, you know, I didn't renew my lease, you know, which is really, which really sucks. And then, like, I had my whole apartment packed up, moved into storage. Oh, my, like, I wish I could have brought more of my clothes. Like, I have, I have like, clothes, it's just, like, I didn't bring my favorite stuff. I was like, I'm just going to New Zealand for a couple of, you know? Yeah, my plan was, like, to stay stay in New Zealand. Because um, I, I really don't like living in New Zealand. I've never liked it, ever, living here. But, like, I was like, it's better to be free over here than quarantined uh, in the States. So I was going to stay here, then I was going to go to L.A. for the rest of the year and then back to New York. But now L.A. has been extended in their quarantine till August. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at this point where I'm like, yo, I don't even know, like, I don't know what to do. So, I mean, one of the things I was trying to think, think about doing over here is like, um, especially when the comedy club opens up the classic comedy bars, like a really dope club. And, you know, uh, so what I was going to do is potentially rent an apartment in the city. What's the comedy scene like in uh, New Zealand? Well, if I was like, it's, it's not even, it's not really exaggerating to say it feels like there's one club in my city. One place, one central point where people perform. There's like a couple of bars around the place, like, like a little comedy bar, but it's like they're so small that it's like, yeah, I mean, I wonder what's happened in the last two years, but like that one club is a very, very good one. So it's almost like we've got a uh, laugh factory and that's it. You'll probably get more stage time than any of us in the next few months. So that one club will come in handy. Yeah, yeah, legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been working on some pandemic material. <laughs> Keeping it topical. I feel like I don't want to... I'm like, after this, I want to pretend none of this ever happened. I feel like I don't want to talk about it. I feel like I'm going to have PTSD if I hear about it again. I'm just like, can we just like write off this whole time, this whole like 2020 and never think about it again? But it's going to be hard. Like, what else are you going to talk about? Yeah, I mean, cause I've, I've been working on my hour and like it was all like pretty much done. And then all this happened and it's like, how do you do tape an hour and then like it's like you don't mention the, that that thing that happened you know it's like you know so i don't know yeah so i feel like you kind of have to talk about it and just find your unique way of addressing it you know what i mean yeah yeah because i mean it has been quite a like quite a phenomenon like it's, it's it's crazy it's it's uh it's it's hard not to talk about it is. And, you know, and it I think is. you can still find humor in it. And our jobs is to take tragedy and talk about and make it funny. But right now, maybe because at least we in the States, we're still like very much in the thick of it. It feels hard to like even imagine it being funny right now. I mean, there's still like we're still doing Zoom shows and joking about it. But I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't wait till this is in the past. Yeah, for sure. Do you so wait, so did you grow up in New Zealand? Yeah, I grew up in New Zealand. I'm a citizen of New Zealand. Um, uh, I came here when I was five. And uh, and then I finished high school in Qatar in the Middle East. Oh, wow. That's like, that's, I feel like you've had like more travel and experience. Is there a particular place that you genuinely would move to if you could minus the US? Or like, do you just not want to be in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I would never want to live in New Zealand. But like, I, I would want to um, live in Amsterdam. 
it's actually one of my favorite cities in the world. I go there once a year. I've got a lot of friends over there, um, very good friends, and they're all doing amazing things. So it's like it's friends that inspire me. And, um, and you know what the city is known for, which is this red light district and all the weed and stuff. That's like not even Amsterdam at all. That's like, the, that's like their Times Square, so tourist traps. But like the actual, and you know, yeah, like when you look at all the canals and all the massive bike lanes and walking lanes and all the um, seamless trams, it's like, it's such a, the way you move around the city is so incredible. It takes you 20 minutes to get everywhere. The architecture is, even in my mind, I enjoy it more than Paris. So I was, you know, so I've always like kind of fantasized about living there, but there's never been a, a career justification for being there other than, you know. And That's also the rent is like thing. a third, like so many a third places of it. We could live. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the rent over there is, is, is the rent over there is about a quarter of. About a third, like between a quarter and a third of what it is in New York. And like way more fun too. I feel like maybe you could shoot a movie one day in Amsterdam. That's like your excuse to like move there for a few months, and just like yeah, chill. Yeah, yeah. That's like how I approach everything. If it's like I really want to travel somewhere or like live somewhere temporarily, in my mind, I'm like, all right, if I ever write something cool enough, I'm gonna make sure it takes place. Just make it set in Amsterdam. (laughs) (laughs) So Mo, before you did comedy, um, you were traveling a lot, right, with music, right? You were in a band, Mm -hmm. and uh, and then are you still doing music now, or just doing comedy? I'm doing music on, on, on more of the corporate side. Like today, I, I part own like a pickup music, which is like a music media company that, you know, um, kind of monetizes off of a subscription model. And, uh, you know, I, but I'm not part of the daily operations anymore. But like through that, I kind of like got really interested in the idea of developing artists because like I'd experienced being signed to numerous major labels, seeing how things operate on the inside. And during the time of like, you know, as you know, being a marketing director and working in, you know, within, you know, diff- different spheres, I learned, you know, built a lot of relationships with blogs and, and the ability to, I guess, get artists out there. And so, um, so then, yeah, so then I basically partnered up with a friend of mine or a mentor of mine, Nigel Mack, who's legendary, um, uh, VP of A&R. He's a guy like this dead discovered Kid Cudi and, and, uh, wow you know, develop, de- de- develop drum and, you know, he's a really be- amazing guy. So we partnered up to start developing a couple of artists and, uh, yeah, so like on, on, on the music side, it's kind of become more about supporting talent um, and, you know, dispersing, you know, valuable content. Uh, yeah, so, but yeah, um, my experience, yeah, so that, but it's originally what brought me to America. It's how I got my O one visa, my artist visa, is that I came and I signed to Columbia Records and Sony ATV. Uh, and eventually uh, UMPG for publishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was very cool. So I got to like travel around the, you know, travel around doing music. But like, uh, yeah, no, no. I, I'm I'm not working on too much music nowadays. But uh, I'm 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 open to it. You know. Yeah, I'm, I remember when I met you. First of all, that's so cool. And to have like two talents of like music and comedy, that's it's hard enough to establish yourself in one. And I remember when I met you and we listened to your music, it was dope. And uh, you were like, I don't want to do music anymore. I just want to do comedy. And I'm like, but it's so good. How can you stop? And what was that shift of like? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the best way to describe it is to say, um, for me, it's not necessarily about the, uh, what you're creating. It's about like, I've always enjoyed the process of uh, creating things. Um, you know, because originally I studied architecture at university and that's what I specialized in. And it was during that, you know, period of time during my studies that I realized that architecture school wasn't really teaching me about architecture, it was teaching me about marketing. 
Yeah, you know, because you learn how to detail when you work in an architecture firm. You don't learn it, you know, from actually studying architecture. Uh, what you do learn is how to think conceptually, how to execute your thoughts into a design proposition, and then how to sell that proposition or in a, and articulate it um, uh, well and, and sell it within three minutes to a tutor that probably doesn't like you. And so you, you taught how to think conceptually, uh, how, you know, how to think conceptually, execute and sell. And so that's kind of when I decided, you know, you know, I've always wanted to do stand up, but I think that, you know, I think that I could apply these same principles to, to stand up because, you know, even if you look at industrial design, which is the design of objects, you know, phones, furniture, like, you know, you take ideas that exist, you put your own twist on them and you present them to an audience, uh, uh, to, to a marketplace. Uh, the, the only reason the marketplace, you know, purchases your item is because they've, you know, they, they use it. So, you know, they buy the iPhone because I've always liked, used mobile phones. Whereas in stand-up comedy, you take ideas that exist, you put your own twist on it and you present it to the audience. And so the only reason the audience ever laughs is because they relate to it. So you know, at, at the end of it all, it's like basically the same approach to creation is applied to every single industry. I, in, in my mind, like stand-up, design, you know, music. And so for me, it's like no matter what, I was going to enjoy that process of creating, uh, regardless of uh, what I was uh, creating. But when it came to stand-up, it was... Um, yeah, it was just like, it felt more like a instinctive and uh, natural. Um, yeah, and also like you're doing it by yourself. Whereas like in music, like I was always within a band, I didn't know how to produce and I never had the motivation or the urge to do it on my own. And that was a bit of an indicator for me. But I still love doing it, you know? In the same way that someone loves playing basketball, you know, even if they're not in the NBA. Like I think I still, you know, but uh, yeah. And for some reason, I feel like, shockingly, I felt, I felt a lot more vulnerable on stage doing music than I did doing stand-up. Like, stand-up wasn't as scary, even though it's like, it's like we're, you know, like you would think it's more nerve-wracking. Yeah, because music is like, yeah, I don't know, like, it's just, like, it's just a personal thing. I've always felt like you were more naked on stage doing music. I think it's because a lot of the music that we were making was very dark. Like, I just instinctively made very dark stuff. I'm like, you know, I'm sad, you know, like that to like a trap, trap beat. And it's like, and so when you're performing that live, you're not going to be like smiling, like, I'm sad. You're gonna be, it's like, although it's like putting on like an act of like, you know, it's like, we, you know, we didn't have any front lighting. It was all backlit. It was all kind of silhouettes and sadness and kind of, and so suddenly it's just kind of like, you know, it's like, you're kind of like, you're, you know, so in a sense, you're being more vulnerable on stage. Um, but like stand up is like, you know, but stand up is kind of, kind of similar. And it's only kind of moved towards that for me in the last year, you know, with the hour that I wrote called Muhammad's Green Card Special where it's like, um, uh, it's a bit more, vul- or, you know, a bit more like uh, emotional and personal stories and so on. But like, yeah, it's, yeah. Music's definitely more like, it's more of a tense undertaking. I was going to say, I, I saw your special. Um, you let me open for you at Caveat, which was really cool and really fun. And I'm wondering, as how's that story evolving now? Are you including the pandemic as part of your hour? Are you just leaving that as something? No, yeah. Um, so I made the decision to definitely include it, and you know, and you know, I've, and it's and, and it's very easy to include in the hour because you know when this pandemic came along, I kind of like fled America, which was not ready for anything of the sort, to come to New Zealand, which was, and uh, in doing so you know, things just kept getting worse in the States. And like, I kind of like suddenly feel like trapped in New Zealand. And it's like everything that I didn't want to happen. It's like, I, you know, I never wanted to live in New Zealand. I never wanted to, I never wanted to come back here for this length of time. I'd, I'd already found my new home. In fact, I'd written a whole hour special with the purpose of unlocking a green card for myself by matching enough press and clout to do so. And so to be back is almost like, kind of like not my worst nightmare, but it was like, 
almost like poetic in a sense because like here I am realizing why I don't want to come back here and suddenly the hour is even more important uh yeah and even things like losing the apartment that's another like kind of suddenly like I, I don't feel like I have a foundation there right now and you know so it's um so yes yeah, so it's not difficult to add into the hour and I think there's a lot, there's a lot of humorous things about the pandemic I think so yeah you know that are worth talking about like I had a lot of funny moments like I I booked a ticket to LA for June third, which was then cancelled by the airline due to banning international travel from, from uh, from Australia because I was making a stop over there, and so I called them up. I waited on the line for like an hour, which was so frustrating. And then they eventually got on, and I was like, you know, I told us I said I said what the situation was, and the lady was like, hey, look, there's two options. Number one is you should have been on the flight uh, two weeks ago, and I was like, it's not really an option. <laughs> it's, it's past. So, you know, like, and she's like, option one, time travel. Yeah, option one, orb backwards in time. Uh, and then she was like, and the second option is, is, is to call the embassy, is to call the yeah. American embassy in New Zealand and to tell them that you are trapped, uh, that, that, that you're a resident of America and you're trapped in New Zealand and you need emergency travel. You know, she was like, that's worked in the past. This worked last, last month. And so I was like, okay, cool. So I called up the embassy uh, to kind of like, and, you know, and it wasn't a long wait because not many people are trying to go to America right now, obviously. And uh, and the person picks up and I explain my situation. I'm like, hey, you know, like I live in America and, you know, my work's over there, my life's over there and I want to get back over there. And right now my flight got canceled and I can't stay here. I can't work over here. And uh, I start pleading my case and I'm talking to this American person on the other line and the person's like, wait a minute, so you're telling me, so are you a citizen of America? I was like, no, no, I'm not a citizen. And then they're like, okay, um, but you have a work visa somewhere? I was like, yeah. And then they're like, but you're a citizen of New Zealand. Yeah. And, and, the, and the person's like, and you're saying that you're trapped in New Zealand. And he's like, the person just couldn't understand the logic behind feeling trapped in the safest place on earth. And it's just like, it's such a funny moment. You're like, no, emotionally, emotionally. I'm trapped here. No, no, no. I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay, technically I'm a citizen yeah. of New Zealand, but home is where the heart is. And, um, and my heart is in New York City. Okay. I was like, I bet, I bet if I was a doctor without, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I bet if I was a, if I was a doctor without borders, you know, like you'd, you'd, you'd let me travel. He's like, are you? I'm like, no, I mean. Laughter is the best medicine, though. So there is that. <laughs> that is a thing, people say. But uh, so yeah, it's been like um. So I think there's still like things worth adding into it, but it's like you don't want it to be too messy. Definitely. Do you, yeah, and I I was I remember thinking it was such a cool concept like that you want to try to get a green card through yeah, this yeah. particular hour and, everything, and I hope you still do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, everything was going so well before this pandemic because like I was taping this year and, uh, and I was and still am um, in talks to have it, uh, my hour join St. Anne's official season, which would make it a, uh, not just an hour special, but also an off-Broadway production with one of the best venues in New York. Uh, you know, like, you know, they're up there with BAM and wow. yeah, and like in Dumbo and a beautiful location and, you know, working with their team, awesome. like Susan talking with them and Sarah and, and like, you know, they're really excited about it. And, and, and then the pandemic hits and it's like, well, you know, for example, what St. Anne's is known for is bringing in incredible international acts into America, into New York. And with such harsh border restrictions, now they're wondering, how can we do that? You know, like while my show would be easy for them to put on, it's like, what, what does the rest of their season look like? And so it's like, you know, so that gets affected. You know, I was supposed to put out my first book with one of the best stores in the world, Dover Street Market, that I've dreamt of putting something in for the last decade. And it was coming out March 22nd. It's already printed, made in Germany, sent over. It's like my first comedic art book. I'm going to do an in-store talk and, you know, like, and put it out in-store and online. And 
bam, the pandemic hits and everything gets pushed out, you know, like, and so it's like, it's like, I feel like, you know, it's like, it's, it's really frustrating, but at the end of the day, it's like, what can you do? You know, everyone's going through it. Everyone's going through it. Uh, you know, so the least, the least we should be able to take out of all this bullshit is material. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. If we can make some some jokes out of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely be worth it. <laughs> no, no, but we we might as well make something out of it if yeah. we're going through it anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like like Mo, you've done so many cool things that out of a lot of people, you're going to end up creating something even cooler after this. Um so like, you know, like whether it's like a combination of everything you've ever done in one <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's given me the time to finish projects that I'd started. Like, I finished a couple of um, uh, uh, two uh, scripts for some shows I wanted, uh, that I've created. Um, for two uh, two shows that I've done, one with um, like uh, uh, Diggy Simmons, we've kind of like created a couple of projects, and and so yeah, yeah. No. So that was cool to kind of be able to finish the scripts fully, and then finish all the show bibles and stuff. And like now, I'm just like, okay, so that stuff's done at least. You know, will at anything happen? I don't know. Yeah. When Hollywood reopens, yeah, so, hopefully. Yeah, I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, so, so, so that's cool. Um, yeah. But it's funny, everyone's like, you know, when Hollywood reopens, and it's like, surely these agents and people that work at CAA, surely they're still working. You know, like you know, they still have to kind of like. I was gonna say they. I think they are because um, a lot of people that I know that I've talked to. Have, are still slowly in the to, like in the works of getting certain things. So it's like, it's just un, people are just unsure when it's gonna happen. But they are like signing deals. Like one of my friends just got like a deal for one of her books. Um, so it's like not even Hollywood, but like general markets. Mm. It's just everything's just on hold right now. So it's like, hey, we're gonna give you this. Continue to write. Continue to make I, it. Yeah I, yeah, I I will say this. This has been this pandemic has been really really amazing for New Zealand. Like oh my god, like they destroyed it. They the the branding of the nation had just like, you know, like Jacinda as a leader and like New Zealand is this kind of very forward thinking, very like on. It's like the first nation to like beat it uh, outside of Asia or something, and now like a lot of, one of the secret projects I heard about that's going on is um. I don't even know if you're supposed. To, I mean, it's like that's like people in New Zealand know about it, and like, uh, but like you know, they like they're doing a series of uh, Lord of the Rings that's actually like being structured out right now, and like there's all these big projects coming over here. Amazon's opening one of their facilities in New Zealand, and it's like, so it's been good for New Zealand. So it's a good place to be in that sense, but like at the same time, yeah, it's just so it's like a, yeah, I don't know. So. It's difficult. Like, what do you not like about living there? <laughs> You're just naming all these yeah. awesome things. <laughs> and, like, how did you guys? Um, how did your family base, end up there too? I'm curious about. That. I mean, yeah, I mean, f- yeah, my dad is doing his PhD over here, and uh, they also want us to be citizens of citizens of the uh, of, of the country, you know, because, you know, I was born in Oman, but when, in the Middle East, as you know, when you're born somewhere, it doesn't mean you have a passport. So I had a Sudanese passport, but I was born in Oman. So in a sense, you're kind of like born an immigrant, but like, uh, you know, so that was, you know, that was great. You know, it was, it was great reasons why we came here and, and, you know, living here has done great things for us. Uh, the country's always lacked diversity and is always, you know, a lot of people aren't very cultured and don't really understand the outside world. And so, you know, growing up here, I always felt like there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of racism, you know, like, it was very torturous from the age of, like, you know, seven, eight to, like, 12, 13. 
you know, um, which is a huge chunk of your childhood. You know, being called nigger every day, being bullied, kind of, you know, like, you know, like, I used to, like, love going, like, I used to love class uh, because that was when the teacher was there and he felt safe. And whenever there was, like, an interval or lunchtime, I would, like, go out to the trees near near near, near the fields and, like, sit by myself. I was a little kid just sitting by myself under a tree because I didn't want to get bullied. You know, I'd, I'd, sit, I'd, sure, I'd, I'd make sure I had, like, a view of people that were coming my way. And and so, like, it was, like, that was my childhood in New Zealand. And because of that, I always hated it. I was, like, these people are uncultured. They're, like, you know, you know. It's just a country at the end of the world that happens to be safe because no one wants to go there. It's like it's the kind of the way I saw it. And um, sounds and I like hated it's it. Alabama yeah, really in some ways, but without yeah. we have way more benefits yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great benefits. Like in the, it's always had really good leadership. You know, um, I think women leaders. You know, I've always kind of like in general what I've seen is they've just been better, and um, we've we've had quite a few, and you know it's. There's definitely not a lot of positive, you know, free healthcare, which is, always, which is a great thing. Um, uh, you know, but like at the same time, you know, I've, I've had my own experiences here, you know. And it's funny that the, the world's branding of New Zealand is that it's a very progressive, forward-thinking, kind place. And that's never been my experience here. Um, but, you know, but everything, of course, changed last year when the terrorist attack happened in New Zealand in the mosques. And... Um, uh, just seeing how the leader reacted, and of course seeing how uh, New Zealanders reacted, kind of like opened up my, you know, opened my eyes to see it, being like, oh crap, things have changed, and you know, and and so that's that's good. So like it's it's kind of like a, so New Zealand's almost like that 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 like uh that that crush that broke your heart and like decimated your soul back in the day, and then now they're like a good person, and you're like, yeah, 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 she's a good person, but at the same time, she was a bitch back in the day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember bumping into my childhood bu- bu- bully a couple of years ago over here. You know, this, this, like, this dick. Her name was Stephanie. What kind of name is Stephanie anyway? I mean, it's a, it's a normal Not name. Not to be just, sexist, like, but your childhood bully was a girl? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was always progressive. you right now. This is not... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just, yeah. Adding, yeah, I'm just twisting the know. knife at this point. I'm sorry. But you're yeah, like, I know, that person was I know. a dick. Was, uh, Her name was Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I expected to she hear. came up with and she was so yo, she was and she was very clever though she came up with like um the uh my nickname which was black sheep which is what they called me and it was very clever because for numerous reasons you know like obviously it was the fact that new zealand's most famous for the amount of sheep that it has it's got more sheep than people um outside of that also the fact that um i was black and i was the odd one out and so literally it was like the most sinister but like well structured and thought out uh Nickname, anyone like this is mean, but this is yeah. But point, yeah. yeah point and was, and, like, and, and you saw it. You like, I like my bully's writing skills, but yeah. And you saw it in my in my hour, but like she, she and you know she would actually sing. She'd be like ba ba black sheep ba ba black sheep, and I'm saying like, <laughs> oh. like you know, I was oh like, my god, that's horrifying. Yeah, she was horrible. And she bumped into me, like, a couple of years ago, we bumped into each other, and she genuinely, like, she's like, hey, Ma, oh, my God, how are you doing? Oh, it's been such a long time. And I was just like, how have you forgotten? Like, how are you even talking to me like this? Because like, like, it like, didn't traumatize her life. people forget everything? Yeah. No. Yeah. Did you tell her anything? Did no, you say didn't. something about it? In, in the show, in my hour, I say that I did, but in reality, I just said it in my head. Okay, like, yeah. As soon as I saw her, I was like, I was like, I was like nine years old again. Uh, sitting under that tree. When your hour comes out, you should send it to her. Specifically yeah. that clip yeah. and just... <laughs> Don't even And just with the message, this you. 
Yeah, yeah. don't do, just. I haven't. I haven't changed it. I wish I remembered her last name. I would have said the whole thing. I'm that. I'm that petty. <laughs> um, yeah, you should put I her on blast. I think it's good to be. <laughs> no, I think it's good to be that petty only because, like, I look. We've all, as people of color, we've all grown up in places where there's someone so racist and it sticks with you. Like, I I grew up on Long Island, and I hate every single person I went to high school with. I called them all racist. I had oh, no wow. friends senior year. <laughs> like it was just I like was really adamant about calling people out mm. and that's like stuck with me for years so of course if i ever get anything i'm going to email them and be like wow. i talked about you yeah just so you know fyi yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> hope you're doing well <laughs> yeah hope you're doing well by the way no i think i think uh yeah it's, just, it's the same story so th- because of that even now being back here it's like it's like it's like i failed my mission my mission was to leave New Zealand, to go to America, and to build a life there. You know, it's, it's been very simple. And now, and everything, everything creatively that, that I've, I've written, you know, whether it's from the musical side to the comedy side, has all been about this search and this longing for a home and a place to feel at home. And I've definitely found that in New York. And then kind of like to be, and you know, writing something like that, writing an hour, especially like that one, which is the most personal one I've ever written, it kind of takes it out of you. And then kind of to suddenly be like, bam, back in New Zealand, back in the family house, back in the suburbs, seeing Kiwis and... It's just like, I'm like that. Okay. You know? I don't think, I think that you've worked so hard for so many things that it's definitely going to come to fruition. Yeah, yeah. And like, like, I don't think, I think you're someone that will always get whatever he, he wants in the sense of like, you work hard, your shit's really dope. Um, but yeah, no, like, I think you're absolutely right to feel like this fucking sucks and this is like, this does, it fucking sucks and it's the worst yeah, um, yeah. But I, I do think that you're going to get the stuff that you, like, rightfully deserve. Yeah, inshallah. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't teacher, know. So that's my high school teacher. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah, I don't know if you saw, like, the, the Batman movie, that, the third one on the uh, Dark Knight Rises. Have you seen that? I remember when he, like, goes to, like, remember, remember when he gets into that prison again? And he's, like, in that big hole in the ground? And, like, he tries to escape and he, like, breaks his back and he has to, like, train to get out of this prison and back to his life. That's what this feels like. Like, I'm, like, I'm, yeah, I'm training and, and my back is broken. <laughs> no fear of death. And that's yeah, no fear of death. Yeah, yeah. No, it's when you don't have the rope around you to save you. That's, 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 that's yeah. what it's taking really, yeah. And so now I'm trying to take the rope off and I'm trying to leap, leap out of here. And that rope is a plane back to New York way too early. We we shall see. I'm hoping too. I'm 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 also home in Alabama, and I feel like I've regressed to, to like you know teenage me. So I totally I totally get it. Um, it's hard, but let's. Uh, I want to switch it up a bit and jump into a segment that we have called Fifty Shades of Brown, and this is a segment where we have people write in dating questions. Usually, it's from other people of color, brown people. And they write us in and are you ready to give some some good or bad dating advice <laughs> yeah I'm not I'm not in any way shape or form an expert but I'm happy to lend advice that I don't recommend anyone takes all right perfect so have you got guys disclaimer disclaimer we are not responsible for broken relationships um, yeah so this question I put it up on Instagram and uh, this is from a guy and he asks when is it appropriate to offer solutions to your significant other when they vent to you? 
I mean, look, I think off the bat, I, f- I feel like if you're in the type of relationship where someone vents and doesn't want your opinion, that's just like, that's just a stressful situation to be in. Do you even want to be with a person that wouldn't be open to your suggestions? You know, that's not a very, that's not very, that, that's, that's not a two-way street and that's not a very great conversation to build a relationship on. You know, it's all about being able to communicate and listen to each other and hear each other out. Otherwise, why are you with the person? Why is she with you? You know? So... I get your point. I okay, so I I've been in the situation actually multiple times where I'm like I'm just venting. I don't need you to fix. Like I feel like men sometimes are quick to cuz they're like, like let me just fix the problem and mm. sometimes like no, I'm just telling you to tell you to get some sort of like emotional support back. So it just depends on the situation. It's hard to tell without being it's like a case by case thing because there have been times where I'm just venting to vent and there's nothing that you know, my significant other can really do, or they'll just jump into like wanting to fix it and solve it for me. And I'm like, that's not what I need right now. Like I can solve it, but what I need is just someone to like, listen. So I think, you know, this is a common thing I think with women and men that I've heard a lot, like um, where, yeah, the guys just want to like jump in because it's the way they know how to help. Um, And then in some ways it's easier than just like, let me chill, lay back and listen. But I think if you're just offering a solution, I I think that's like the kind thing to do or say, maybe instead of offering a solution, say, how can I help? I think that's like a better, leave it open-ended. That way they can tell you if they want you, they want your help in actually resolving it or fixing it. Or if they're just like, no, I just want you to listen, then there's your answer. But it does come back to open communication, asking the person, hey, what do you need from me? Yeah. Yeah, I think the open communication thing is important because, like, if you're in a situation where you're with someone that's that sometimes likes to vent, just just to vent, I would kind of always at least say, hey, well, I mean, if you want to hear my opinion, I'm happy to give it, but I, I, I do see where you're coming from. That that's I'd just be so like I'd be so you know. That's just what I'd say. I am. Um, I'm always with the type of people who are just like eh, do whatever you want. So I think like having having someone give me <laughs> advice would be really nice because it's always always someone who's like I don't know like you can figure it out. You're so mm. independent and that's mm. like that's a fault of my own. This is just a fault of my own that I'm saying that yeah, I am yeah. the worst people. But I wouldn't mind the advice. I would just be it's it's like what you said. Like first be like hey how can I help and if it is like these are the ways but also like you want to be in a relationship where you feel comfortable talking about all these issues enough and being like not walking on eggshells and feeling like you can't give someone advice or that they might get offended uh, at it or something if you if you offer some sort of solution. Um, but yeah, then there's just some people that vent to vent and like over vent too. But I feel like if I wanted a solution, I'd probably go to one of my girlfriends. Like if I'd be texting you a mama or something. I probably, I'd just be venting to my significant other. But I'm like, if I want Thank some you. like logical <laughs> advice, I'll go to a mama or one of my other female friends. Who do you, Mo, do you usually like, if, in other relationships would you vent to that person or would you go who would be like your go-to if you have like a problem and you want to like resolve it um like i mean to be honest i haven't had too much dating experience but like uh i was i've always been like an open book somewhat or tried to be um but i remember when i had a, a breakup a very tough tough breakup um i went to i was 
more open emotionally with my friends, especially my male friends. Um, and like, I remember one friend, like he's not, I talk about him in the hour and, uh, and, and, and in the book that I'm putting out, but it's late and he's, he's actually, he, I feel like there's, there's two types of friends that you have, uh, two types of best friends, right? There's the type of friend that's, that's uh, a believer. So he just kind of supports you no matter what. And then there's a friend that's just like a hater. That's literally just like, will tell you to toughen up. And that's, and that's what Leighton is. And like, you know, I remember like, just kind of like crying to him, like, you know, it's so tough. I don't know what to do. You know, like my life is meaningless now. And then he's just like, toughen up, bro. Stop being such a pussy. And I was like, okay, ah, the pain, you're not helping the wound. Um, yeah. You need more female friends. They will give you better advice. You do. Yeah. <laughs> Except I think I would, I sometimes can be with my guy friends. I'm also like, you're being a little bitch. And then I just, I'm reinforcing all of the terrible stereotypes. So I yeah, should yeah. But like, I, you know, looking back, you know, like, you know how like, like when you look back at something, when you, when you're finally over it and you look back at it with like clear eyes and you see how you're acting and you're like, yo, I was right. It really did hurt. You know, like I'm literally looking back like I should have cried. I should have cried more. You know, like I'm, I'm this um, that's, 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 that's yeah, so I'm, I'm very open. Have you, like, dated at all or, like, been online, like, online apps at all? Like, Hinge or Tinder on, in New Zealand or no? I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a huge, oh my god, New Zealand's way too small for that. Like, how small? You would, like, know everybody? Yeah, I feel like you'd go on it and it'll just be like, like you'll be in a room with someone and you go on it and you'll swipe and be like, Tidings! like I, I, in the other part of the room, like someone just like go on and be like, oh my gosh, you're right here. <laughs> like this is my dentist. Oh, it's going to be an awkward session. Oh, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I talk about, yeah, like, I love the idea of meeting someone in the real world, you know, like in real life, like, you know, like I kind of like I'm jealous of when people used to be able to meet at, at, at like the library, you know? Or like a, or a cafe or at an art gallery, and you see like you know you see this you know like you see that girl kind of standing there by herself looking at the artwork, and she she's you know she's like all pretty and just enjoying and absorbing the art, and you walk next to her, and you're like yeah, yeah it's a Matisse, isn't it? And she's like no, it's a Picasso, and you're like you know oh, yeah sorry I'm not really into art, I'm just into starting a conversation, <laughs> you know or like whatever it is. Whatever. You have a that, very that, pretentious that's fantasy of how to meet someone. That is like on the line. <laughs> I just come into I, I just come into screen like. It's a Matisse, isn't it? I feel like, honestly, most people meet each other at bars really drunk, like, in the line to, like, the bathroom, not in an art gallery. Last call. But I can't because I, I can't. I can't because I don't drink. He's a good Muslim. Now you're bragging that you're He's got the 99 Muslim. names of Allah behind him. He's... I know, I saw. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it looks like my house. It looks like where I'm staying too, if I showed you guys. Every Muslim household looks the same, has the same like Muslim artwork, which is just Quran. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so my friend in Atlanta, she's um, she actually was at a cafe and she met a Muslim guy and he was like, oh, I see that you have like an Allah sticker or like not an Allah sticker, like an Allah chain. And they hit it off. And then um, I think he he was like cheating on her. So they hit it off really like related in terms of like religion. And then she found out later that he's not as pious as he was saying. But in the grand scheme of things, you can meet someone at a cafe and it can be really cute. Her story was cute until the end part of that. Mm. Oh, before the pandemic, I actually met someone on the street in New York and he was like a piano player, remember? And I liked this story 
And that's why I gave him my number because I was like, this is a cute story. But it wasn't cute because I had just come out of therapy and I was in tears. <laughs> I went to a crystal shop and bought a bracelet and I come out and I'm still like trying to dry up my tears. And then this guy just stops me on the street. And normally I don't pay attention to anyone. And he's like, hey, uh, can I can I say something to you? And I was like, yeah, what? And he's like, um, I just want to say that you're really attractive. And like, normally I ignore the person and like walk away. But I don't know, I was vulnerable. I just got out of therapy. I was holding a crystal. I was like, all right, let me, let's talk. Let's see. And uh, I ended up giving him my number. He asked me for coffee right then and there. But I was like, dude, I'm not in a good headspace right now. Um, here's my number. And then um, I decided right before the pandemic, I don't want to date anybody for a while. And then the pandemic happened. So here we are. God answered my prayers or my parents' prayers. <laughs> so it's because of you that the whole world's in a pandemic. I mean, I don't want to take all the credit. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised he asked you out because like you come out, yeah, you're pretty, but like you come out, you're crying. Like, hey, look, I can't talk right now. I just came out of my therapist. I would have been like, oh, you know what? Yeah, not, not the right time. Not the right time. <laughs> like, but he was like, coffee now? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's his bad, like... Maybe that's what he, what turns him on. He's like, oh, crying women. Yeah, yeah. He, he's like, no, that's what I like. That's what I like. I want to hear your pain. It turns me on. Come on. It's like a coffee. <laughs> caffeine and pain. It's a cafe I'm starting as well. <laughs> pain and caffeine at the corner of Delancey and Essex. <laughs> I just, I know, right? I feel like he was strategically placed there. He was strategically waiting. Yeah, maybe he's got a really great the therapist. Office. Like he knew what was up. Like he was just waiting for the most vulnerable moment yeah i think you just have a great therapist i was like yo this session's been tough steve steve yeah 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 meet her at the intersection of yeah and remember to say yeah pretty say all that stuff yeah, I'll, I'll speak <laughs> all right all right but i always wanted one of those new york moments and i got one but it yeah. wasn't like i wasn't that into him or and i was just like nah i don't really want to go out this person but it was a cute moment um but yeah i think we sometimes get up get caught up in the story rather than like the actual relationship mm. everyone i've met has been in person to some degree like yeah mostly in person especially when i lived in rhode island because it's like you would just go to a bar and that would be it but i once met this guy at a club and he kept saying like i forgot what he was saying but i was like you know what if you really want to talk to me you'll follow me outside and then he did, and then we were together for, like, nine or ten months, I think. So, like, I actually was just, like... That sounds really creepy, Mama. Also, that's, yeah, that sounds like something, like, a stalker would say. But, like, reverse stalking. Yeah. But you... He, turned out he did if, He wasn't if, a serial killer, so that's good. That's also the fear, you know? If you really want to talk to me, kidnap me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> If you really want to talk to me, kidnap me tomorrow. I forget things. I'm not going to remember this conversation. I really, I'm really into it. I'm really into it. If I scream, keep going. <laughs> like, like, you know what's crazy? I feel like sometimes, like, like I don't... Do you, do you sometimes feel like you don't have control of the way that you, like, like, like the people that you're in? Not that, you know, like, like, I'll get a crush on someone that I shouldn't get a crush on. You know, like just the other day, like, so basically living in these, being back in these, I've said this a lot of times. I'm very, I'm, I'm not like happy about it. Right. And like, I feel like I feel like I need a mission or I need like a like a a task, not a task, but just like a distraction, a, a distraction. So I'm hanging out with my homie and, and we go back to his apartment because he wants to change his shoes because he accidentally stepped on um, some 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 dog uh, doo doo and uh, just details. I don't know if you need it, but it's what happened. 
So we went back to his place and his roommate. <laughs> this is what the listeners want. Yeah. So, so, so we went back to his place and his roommate saying, "Now look, I'm not very, like I'm not friends with his roommate. I don't really know him at all. Like you know, I've maybe seen him once before, and he's always got his shirt off. That's like his thing. He's like, I don't like shirts. And um, and he comes out. And I'm like, oh, this is no shirt guy. And he's like, hey man, nice to see you again. You know, and, um, and I'm like, yeah, hey, hey, how's it going? And like, I just want to get out of there. But then this guy's new girl comes out who he's been hanging out with out of his room like we've just been together or whatever and they're just hanging out and this girl is just so beautiful i'm like wow like yeah she's so beautiful and then, and then she comes and she's like hey uh and, and she was familiar with some of my work and stuff and we start like talking and uh and she's like she's really listening and, and she looks like she actually cares and and her and this guy's like a bit of a dimwit to be honest you know and like we're, we're talking and i'm just kind of like wow you know and, I, and, it, and, it, and it just it and, it and it just hits me i'm like i think that the only reason that you've got interest right now is because it seems like it's like the forbidden fruit or like you need a mission of some sort like in my mind i was like does she really love him i don't think she loves him they just met is this bad and I'm like i'm like don't think that way so i'm, I'm trying to like i'm trying to like you know stop my mind from sabotaging me is 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 is, 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 is a short short of it yeah. It's always like that. The forbidden fruit is definitely, yeah, something that's to be desired. But the chase it, it comes is out in different ways, I think. That's the other thing. I think, like, just the chase mm. of it, and especially right now, I'm, I will obviously go after anyone. <laughs> but I think, like, having that, like, feeling of, like, this could be a really <laughs> fun... Write us in at No Fly List Pod. Yeah, you're telling people to call. <laughs> Ask for a mama. Uh, I mean, you... You're telling guys to follow you outside, so... I've come across so desperate in this podcast, but I'm not. I'm not that desperate at all. Maybe I am right now, I am, so... Not, neither am I, for the record. We're um, all desperate right now. <laughs> I'm desperate for stage time. You can, you'll get stage time before any of us. Oh, definitely. It's like New Zealand's like... I'm You're going to have as, two hours as a comedy club, by the not, time not we come out of this. Um... Yeah, yeah. New Zealand audiences are tough, though, because they're really bad at drinking. They've got a really bad, like, it's like they drink for liquid courage. New Zealanders, I feel like, yeah, like, that's why I don't like going into the city late at night, like the club scene or anything like that, because it's like people drink so much and they just get really wild. And like they say, they, they're like, you know, it's like the, the increase in racism on the street goes up tenfold, especially if you're walking with another black person. It's crazy. And I'm talking about people that like, like your average eighteen-year-old white male in New Zealand will say some wild shit at at at, at one a.m. And but yeah, in the clubs, the the heckling is crazy. The heckling's Jeez. like real. It's like every time, you know, people like kind of like you know yelling stuff out and yeah. So it's like I feel like New Zealand's a good place to like train. No wonder you don't like it there. I hate it. No, um, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of white people mo <laughs> which i love to do we actually have a segment uh, <laughs> who doesn't <laughs> yes <laughs> as we all we have a whole segment about it we have a segment called keeping up with a caucasian nice so this is a little game we play where we have different categories of things that white people do and then we ask uh our guests and we talk about whether we as people of color also do these things mm. so we have different categories that you can choose from. I'm gonna read them out to you and you get to pick. So we have food or beverage, pop culture slash TV, activities, style or clothes, phrases or sayings, or miscellaneous. Um, movies. Wait, that wasn't an option. Was that one of the options? No. Entertainment? <laughs> 
That should I be feel one. Like I already forgot the options. Uh, now it should be one. There was activities, make it uh, style or clothes, miscellaneous, phrases or sayings, food, pop culture. Oh, there was pop culture slash TV. Pop culture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. That's true. Um, so I am listening. Oh, there is movies kind of. on here. Okay, you know what? I don't even know my own game. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about uh, Woody Allen movies? I love them. I think he's a great director, a great writer. I love the whole like vibe of them. I mean, it, it, Woody Allen's films are kind of like made me fall in love with New York and stuff. Do I like like him as a person? No, but like I can still appreciate his art. I think that there's too few talented people out there to, to write people off based off of like their personal life. Is my per, is my view. A lot of people won't share it, but I'm like, yo, I'm not about to write off Woody Allen movies because the guy's a creep. In fact, if he ever hits me up to act in one of his films, I'm gonna be like, yo, I'm down. I love Woody Allen movies too. I, I'm with you. There has Same. to be a creepy, like, creative, like, scale, right? They have to be, like, way more creative than creepy. Well, you can admire his art and then just be like, he sucks as a human being, but he's made some really dope yeah. things. Like, he sucks. He's awful. But at the same time, like, yeah, like, some of his movies have made me, even, like, I've lived here, but there were times where I was in Rhode Island and I would watch a Woody Allen film and just yeah. feel, like, transported. And it just... You know, it's it's nice. It's a nice feeling if someone yeah. can and I and I often you. wonder if if like you know we always talk about genius and you know like, you know people that are geniuses and I wonder if genius sometimes results in insanity as well. You know, you always need a little bit of crazy to 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 be an artist of that caliber and you know and so like you know that and there's so many geniuses I I know of that that do that do really weird shit. You know, and so I'm wondering if every maybe like what we don't know is that there's just some geniuses that are really good at hiding the shit that they do. You know. So I think it's been documented a lot of like, you know, really, you know, creative people or highly intellectual people. Always, there's just something always kind of going on with them. Uh, like Woody Allen. I don't know if he's like I mean, you know, he's in his films. He's always like really neurotic. And then I remember seeing a documentary about him. Like the second he finishes wrapping up one film, he's immediately writing the next script. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of I think creative people are neurotic and borderline like like mental mm. <laughs> too and i think that's the beauty in it absolutely <laughs> have you guys read the artist's way i know athir has it but i sent her a pdf but mo have you heard of it or read it no it's so so good it actually has really helped me um get through like not being on stage but a lot of whatever she's saying is like really true to right now and how like creative people block themselves often from like what they really want and it like manifests into certain psychosis or like anxiety and how some of the most creative people have actually used her book to like unblock themselves and to work through some of those like issues but she talks about some of the most creative people being insane and crazy but that's just like how they work and how they thrive um it's a really good book if you want the, the pdf i can email it to you both yeah i want it yeah, you know, through. I've heard a lot of great things about it. Um, it was really like po like popular a few years ago, and I remember everyone was like talking about it. One of my comedy uh, teachers was recommending it, but then I I never did it. But I think um, anything that can help get the creative juices flowing, especially during this time where we have to just kind of shift how we express our creativity, is really helpful. Yeah, it's like made me explore what Mo you were talking about in the beginning, like the racism and everything else that you've experienced. It was just like a throwback to me being younger and like in mm. a really 
white, white area and just like thinking about how all of that ties into my art right now. So just a plug <laughs> for the artist way, written mm. by a white woman, but a book that <laughs> mm. is really awesome. Oh, <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Well, Mo, we really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for being here, waking up early uh, to do yeah. this. Is there anything that you want to plug? Yeah, you can just follow me on Instagram. Um, you can follow me at, uh, on, on Instagram at uh, Mo Hates New Zealand. That's Mo, <laughs> I'm kidding, Matt. That's Mo Cares, M-O-K-H-E-I-R-S. And uh, follow us at No Flyless Pod. Follow me at Ethereum you can follow me at Amama Sardar. And thank you so much for listening. This has been such a fun episode. Thank you, guys. And check out our Patreon. Throw us a few bucks. We have no art now. <laughs> and um, also, ignore my dating advice. Ignore my dating advice. We already cut it out. <laughs> nice, nice. Thanks, Mo. All right, bye.